Hi, welcome to Season 2 of the Silverline Podcast, an audio version of our video streams that we hold weekly. They're edited a little bit to make them a little more concise. My name is Roland Mann. I'm the head honcho at Silverline, and we have a great time making fun comics that we think that you'll enjoy. So thank you for listening, and maybe go check out some of our comics if you haven't already. This episode is titled Black and White vs. Color Comics. It originally aired February 13th, 2022. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Silver Sunday. Here we are, and we're going to have us a show tonight. Can we talk uh, about Olo? We will I talk about Olo some. I want to do right now. As is the case, Whoa. I rated the cheat boxes. All right, so let's make some introductions, and uh, then we'll uh, we'll get into. I am Roland. I am the chief cook and bottle washer here. I write a couple of comics: Overline Team Up, uh, Cat and Mouse, Trumps. Rejects. So that's me, uh, Roberta. Tell everybody who you are. Hi, Roberta Conroy. I was uh, Malibu Comics colorist in the '90s, and I work with the man, Rolla Man, and the uh, man Rolla. Mm-hmm. Mm. And also Thomas Floramonte. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyway, long story short, lots of time went by as a graphic designer for. A long blip, and I decided to come back to comics because I missed it so much. And the circumstances were so good. This company's just the right people. It is, so, isn't it? So fun. Yeah. Next, we have Mr. Peter Clinton come to us from across the pond. Pete, tell everybody who you are. Just a penciler. <laughs> the hat says pens- it all, right? I just draw stuff. <laughs> That's it. I draw. I draw silver on team up. I draw chumps number four. What else do I draw? That's it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. I'm trying to think. That's it. <laughs> okay. You did uh, some of the the Christmas special. That's sure, right. sure, sure. I draw I draw other stuff, but at the moment I'm at, at, actually yeah. literally in front of me is chumps number four. Woohoo! But, um, I don't think I can share because I don't think Streamlabs lets me share. You know. Um, I'll try. It- is, yeah, you, you can share. Uh, well, well, I say you, you can say share. That. I don't. I don't know. Well, I, yeah, I, I do say that. I know Roberta and Tommy can share. So. I have a little share button. And Curtis so can share. It's there. Yeah, that does. You you can if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know. Oh, it, are you doing it on your head or is it? Or are you on a computer? I click and Chrome has lost permission to share your screen. All right, let me follow these steps. All right, we'll work it out. You go. Okay, all right. <laughs> Tommy, tell people who you are. Uh, Thomas Flamonte Jr. Been doing comics since early 90s. Bunches of stuff with Roland in the past, but I've worked for Marvel. A little bit of uh, off and on DC stuff. Just a bunch of stuff for everybody here and there, but a lot of Ultraverse stuff with Roland. Again, i and a lot of the Nightman books, mm-hmm. a lot of the Strangers, all that kind of good stuff. And uh, currently, Ink and Peter on most, uh, I call him Mr. Pete, most uh, most of his stuff. Doing, yeah, there he is waving, trying to figure out how to share his screen again. <laughs> and uh, it's not working, Pete. And uh, working on uh, Trump's four. Just got done with the Rejects uh, Kickstarter. That That's was right. over C. Michael Lanning. Yep. And um, 
Uh, oh. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, go on Rev Kablam Digital Printing. Also, there That's you go. Right. Yep, All right, yep, Curtis, yep. tell people who you are, and then we've got a guest with us tonight, and Curtis is going to, to do oh. the introductions for us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm Curtis Fujita. I'm the creative director at Silverline. I also teach uh, martial arts. I'm a kung fu instructor, and my upcoming comic book for Silverline is called Shadow Ghost. It's the kung fu comic by a kung fu master. And our special guest tonight is a good friend of mine. He is a comic book creator and also the uh, art director of Kung Fu Magazine, Patrick Lugo. And did I miss cool. anything, Patrick? <laughs> and, and, and you forgot something else? He's oh, yes. And of course, your yeah, co-host. My co-host on the Comics Foo Show as well. So a lot of things. That's right. Uh, the best byline for last. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh oh, we lost Pete. He's trying to get a good belt. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he kicked himself out of the stream. He, he, he pushed he unshared himself. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, how was that for an introduction? Oh, it's glorious. Uh, I, I feel so privileged to be here. I, I'm, I feel like the new kid on the block, but uh, <laughs> so thanks for making me feel young. Stephanie says, yes, no Super Bowl, but yes to comics. Yay! And we agree to that. Not that we have anything against the Super Bowl, but we have heard everything about the comics. That's that's where, like, LeBron James hits his home runs, right? I, I think so. <laughs> I think that's right. Um, uh, but then he gets red carded or something like that. I, 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 right, I, into I the penalty know. box, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that, yeah. Uh, Bobby Westkiewicz, Sherry All in Mississippi, thank you so much, my father-in-law. Let's see here. Patrick, go Tigers tail. My kid is rooting for the Tiger team only because Patrick. Woo oh, Patrick's got a fan. Brought him a fan. Excellent. <laughs> Stephanie, it's good to see you here. Hopefully you'll stick around. Oh, and she even says clapping, clapping at the, the video that we just showed. So, uh, and of course we have Aaron Humphrey says, hey, you, hey, all what's up, Aaron? Yeah. <clears throat> so, um. So I have a question. I'm sure Curtis has some some questions lined up. But what made you uh, decide to do a middle grade, uh, uh, target a middle grade audience instead of uh, an an adult audience? Well, um, I think I've I've always tried to see Tiger's Tale as um, a martial arts answer to books like Bone and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and trying to trying to um, kind of speak to younger audiences now that comics are, are for kids again, right? Now that first, second, and these big publishers are really like identifying that market. So, you know, bringing it to Kickstarter, I think now was a good time to kind of really try and give it to, you know, like I said, to young martial artists mm. to, to really tap into like what I was doing. Like, I think a lot of adults at this point, you know, have their opinions on martial arts, but I think, I know from personal experience and maybe Curtis can confirm or, or contrast it. But like when I was first exposed to martial arts, I really had no idea what was the difference between, you know, the kid who was there just to bully other kids and the teacher who was there to really try and get a, a student, you know, to elevate their themselves. So I'm trying to kind of use Tiger's tail to kind of help draw those contrasts. And Pete and figured out how to share. So good job, Pete. Glorious. <laughs> right. 
can't decide whether it looks better. It's there. only taken me like 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time Google's actually said, no, you've got to do this. It's what I finally realized I'll be trying to do. And it's just uh, some thought. Nice. If, if Pete had noticed that the rest of us have been doing this from the beginning, and he's just, you can't do that? I didn't know. It just kept telling me, no, what are you trying to do? You can't do this. Uh, okay, so tonight we are talking about black and white versus color comics. If you've done independent comics at all, or if you paid, in, uh, paid attention to independent comics uh, remotely at all, you've seen a lot of black and white stuff. I know that attitudes and um, um, thoughts kind of cover the, the, the whole spectrum about about black and white, particularly black, black and white. But tonight we'll talk about some of the pros and cons, some of the, the thoughts that we think. I get I, I, So maybe we'll just start off, kind of toss out the question, do you have a preference? And if so, why do you look black and white? I mean, why? I mean, I I would expect my comics to be color every month. Yeah, I'm very why happy. Expect- I mean, I love black and white, obviously, but I'd, mm. I'd be very happy to buy a black and white comic. I don't think I'd want them black and white every single month. I'd be mm. like, oh well, you can do color, so give me some color. I want to I want to see the color, <laughs> right? But yeah, as as an artist, yeah, I do like original art and looking at things in black and white. Mm. But yeah, you. Give me color. I'll pay for you it. Know, uh, being being an uh, an eaker mostly, the for me, I, if it's a black and white book, it you know it needs to be rendered a little more. It needs to be a little more to it than just the the color book without color in it, right? It needs yeah. to have a little more a little more flair to it to me. But no, I love black and white books just as much as I do color book. You know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But. Oh, uh, so Curtis and I were talking just a little bit for uh, the stream uh, started, and Curtis, I'm going to steal your line. Okay. Curtis, I was holding up. You're, you're, you're messing up. <laughs> so it, it, Curtis is smart. He can think of another one. <laughs> so so I, I, I was. I forget what I was holding up now. Oh yeah yeah. I picked up uh, not Brandeck right. I picked up the, an old copy of not Brandeck right. And uh, it's all it's all flat colors in there. And Curtis made a comment. He goes, "Yeah, because all the rendering was done in the line work." And I'm like, "Yeah, you know, that's there's a lot of truth in that." The, uh, so so maybe the question to you, Tommy, is: Is it do you ink something if you know it's going to be be in black and white? Do you ink it a little differently? Yeah, it'd be more of is is it penciled a little different knowing if it was going to be in black and white i think um you know i'll try to put a little more effort into you know putting a little more texture into it you know to give it a little more feel to give the spot those shadows a little a little more because like i think what we talked about last year or last year <laughs> it seemed like last year last week, last week with uh, roberta it's like you know i i really hate seeing uh pencils where the all of the uh you know, they want me to ink all the shadows and stuff. And I'm like, no, let's let, let's let the yeah. color put in all that good stuff. So she, right. whoever's coloring, it can have some fun too. But do I, would I go in and, and take somebody's pencils and try not without the editor saying to do that and the penciler being okay with it. Cause you yeah. do that. The penciler is going to be 
pissed off <laughs> if you just start <laughs> over rendering everything <laughs> putting stuff in there that they that the pencil or just ask mr pete if i started going in and just added started adding like what he's drawing here if i if i was to ink this and just start putting in you know cracks all over the ground and putting you know uh, stuff on that that throne and you know and, and adding shadows to where he didn't have shadows and cross hatching here and there and everywhere and all kind of stuff man pete, pete wouldn't want me to ink him anymore <laughs> well I have, to, I, I have to tell you about the uh private email he sent me tom i mean yeah he's brought it up Thomas is not pulling this part. He needs to add some more to crosshatching. I'm trying to draw on everything. So, Roberta, as a resident colorist, what Mm -hmm. do you think about black and white? (laughs) Yeah, you'd be surprised. I love black and white too. Well, I don't don't know that that's a surprise. You're an artist. I don't know that that surprises me too much. Yeah, I mean, it's all depending, I suppose, on whether it feels balanced as an art piece or not. You know, because if you put texture in everywhere, it ends up removing focus. So a good inker can show, you know, where to draw your eye. Yeah. And and that's really all it takes. And that's what the colorist does is just kind of fleshes Mm -hmm. that out. Yeah. So I guess this is a curious question for you, Roberta. When Mm -hmm. you're coloring... Yeah. Can you can you look at? Of course, you've colored a lot of pages with a lot of different artists, and and mm-hmm. uh, we we know that that Tommy is a wonderful inker because he's here on the stream with us, right? <laughs> yeah, and he has a range of different that's right moods but and styles, and yeah, it, in your in your in your you know smorgasbord of past coloring, can you mm-hmm. tell when an inker knows what he's doing? Uh, he or she, right? Can you tell when an inker knows what they're doing? Ask them when you're mm-hmm. sitting down to color it, and and what are some of the maybe what are some of the uh, signals to you that I'm not sure this inker really knows what they're doing. Well, inconsistent light source would ah. be one. Oh, I'm that very- is pretty much my job is to think in light, and mm. so is the inker. Yeah. So and, yeah, you know, sometimes I don't. Do think, it, you know, I don't know what he he was thinking or she was thinking. Mm-hmm. So. That is what happens is I analyze the page and I do have to know what were they saying, you know, was, was the starting point Mm. because sometimes you have to tell the story in light. And when it is, you know, too heavy on the ink, I would say sometimes that makes it very difficult to show enough rendering yourself as a colorist. Right. So especially when they go down and say, you know, I've got an awful lot of of dark ink because this is the shadow part. So everything's going to be cross-hatched. And then if you put a dark color in there, then it, it all, oh, takes all over. All cross-hatching the is lost, right? Yeah, you can't yeah. see it. And so you don't want to go light in that area either. So it's difficult. You know, they have they have to give a little bit of room a little yeah. bit of open space in there and trust that the colorist isn't going to just go to town. And uh, yeah, I really think that I have been working with really great inkers, you know, since I started here, it's been, mm. it's been important to me that I can, I can see, you know, in an awful lot of, of 
quick uh, judgment call what I want to do with the page. That's the yeah. difference. Because if I'm studying it so much that I don't really know, then I'm wasting an awful lot of time making decisions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's happened. I mean, you know, it's not everything's yeah. perfect, but, but I'd say, you know, the, the more you get the feel for it, you know, what they're trying to do with the page, the easier it is for the colors to say, I know what I want to bring out. Yeah. And I know what they wanted to bring out to tell the story. So it's great. Um, it, it's almost like we, we're on, um, we're on the different page if you're trying to have a black and white comment, because mm, yeah, you you do have to allow for all of that texture to be there without overwhelming the vision and the um and the characters that you're trying to make them more important. Yeah, yeah. Got a couple so, of comments here. Uh, I got another question to ask you, and and then we'll see. Curtis and uh, Patrick, what they think. Ryan uh, Permissen says, hello, everyone. I prefer color to black and white, but then again, I haven't read any black and white comics yet. Ryan, we will take oh, care of that. We will we will, we will, will put something in your hands that's uh, in black and white. Um, I, I think some of it is, uh, I think you have to get right. Have any of you uh, read, ever read Cerebus? Just a little bit, just like the first couple, the first uh, leg of it. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the first few issues of uh, Cerebus uh, was very much a, a, a spoof of uh, Conan. And then probably, I don't know how many issues it took, three, four, something like that. Then it developed its own its own personality. And, you know, over time, uh, Dave Sim and, and uh, Gerhardt, I don't remember if he ever had another name other than that. Uh, they de- they developed this really really nice black and white look, and it was there was uh, graduated tones, a lot of zipatone, a lot of grays uh, in it, and it, it it worked. It was it was perfect. I, I can't imagine uh, e- even his co- covers at the time were in uh, black and white. Um, Stephanie says I love black and white, especially for adult dystopian. But as an elementary school not librarian. <laughs> The only black and white I see off the top of my head are Peanuts and Calvin and Hobbes comic strips. Uh, agree if you go black and white comic. Uh, I'm sorry. If you agree, if you go black and white book craft inks should be on the, on top. Yeah. Um, and I think, um, you know, I think kids like the colors that pop, you know, they want to, they want to see stuff pop out at them. Curtis, Patrick. Any preferences? Go and take it, Patrick. I'll I'll jump in after you. I mean, yeah, I think a lot of it will come down to genre, you know, and to like format. So, like Stephanie said about dystopian, I mean, I think uh, there are great black and white graphic novels and great black and white comics out. But I mean, speaking from when I was, you know, doing some indies in the '90s when I was using um. Do you remember like the duotone paper where it oh, would yeah. you do inks and then you could put that photographic chemical to make more patterns come out? Or zipatone, so, those whole patterns, those whole sheets that you can peel and stick. All yeah, that, that too. Yeah, I, I got really good with the X-Acto knife specifically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, so it's just like, I mean, those were just ways because, right, budget prevented color. So black and white artists tried to push what they could forward. But then... Yes, I I've got I've got a few somewhere. <laughs> looks like it looks like you could uh that needs a new tip. 
I can see yeah, the square. It, it's pretty old, and I haven't used it in, well, I can't even tell you how long it's been since I've used this. <laughs> but it still sits in my front drawer right here. Uh, I, I find all sorts of uses for mine. Not 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 all of them are advised. Though. <laughs> uh, Tommy's got like, a fan. Vic, Vic, uh, bike shop. Bic oh, yeah, there it's you the, go. Uh, it's the the folks that worked on your your bike. Oh, very cool. It yep. says, we appreciate the love. Look at that. No, not a problem. That's <laughs> probably Brandon. Thank you, Brenda. Thank you, Jimmy. I'm glad I you guys. Sorry, are I, 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 I. How do you say the the, the name? Uh, they're gonna kill me for for messing it up. Bicycle, I think it's yeah. Bicycle. It means it means bicycle shop. So it's bicycle bicycle shop. It's what they <laughs> okay. tell me what it means. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I'm not sure what that first one is. I can read bike shop, but I'm not sure what the first word is. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm sorry. Continue on there. Yeah, sorry. What do you think of, like, uh, how color is used for Hellboy? I mean, that's, like, almost a black and white comic, but still, Smart it's color. in color. It's in color, yeah. I think I think for black and white, I mean, it's it again. It depends, but it's it's definitely like the good thing is to know the history of how things develop. It's it's just like black and white film, you know. Sometimes it's that saying that necessity is the the mother invention, you know. Yeah. And so I think that, especially during the uh, the the first indie boom back in the you know late eighties nineties, you know, it was necessary for budget, you know. Yes. And then you get to the point where you know printing and digital printing things like that become easier for the masses. Uh, then it's not so much something of necessity it's something of preference you know and that's where you see that that kind of shift um but i and so that's why you have books like you know sin city by by miller which i think is just like especially mm -hmm. the early issues just freaking phenomenal um mignola i could see any of mike mignola's books in black and white i don't need color in them the colors an accent if anything to it you know um and even and then you see kind of interesting things in between like in, in japanese manga and if you folks have seen like the yeah. manga, manga's published like weekly as an anthology it's like a phone book and it's on really low-end newsprint and it's all black and white and every week they'll give one book three color pages for their part yeah. of the anthology and sometimes it's not even color it's like three tones it's like a flesh yeah. tone a gray a black and a white you know and it's always in the very front isn't it yeah yeah to, yeah. to, to kind of entice you you know yeah those guys use a lot of for the most of the time a lot of heavy use of those uh tonal patterns and stuff to, to do all of the the shading and stuff they, they do a really cool job Love oh, yeah. That. yeah definitely definitely and and it, it also has to do with the the aesthetic the, the more you look at the, the japanese manga and stuff like that you see inherent in it, uh, japanese screen printing and the idea of those flat colors and fat flat fabrics whether it's in their color versions or, or their black and white stuff so i think it just it just depends but i i really like both quite a bit so yeah that'd be my take yeah yeah i think uh so let's talk about uh let's get this a little comment before um uh, Aaron Humphrey says, I heard an interview that Mike Magnolia, uh, Mike Magnolia, uses color as a storyboard, uh, storytelling device. He really does consider where and how he uses color. I can see that in his Hellboy work. 
Um, I, I mean, he's more of a spot color guy, right? And, and, and he kind of, it's all black and white, but then it's just spot color. Yeah. And even the colors are always subdued. I mean, like Hellboy, when you look at it, like it's like very muted reds and like olive greens and nothing bright or really ostentatious. You know, it's very specific. His I like some of those Sun City book, uh, books where it was just uh, like with the blood red here, here, here and there, spot color. Yeah. 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 This is great. So here's a question. I don't want uh, Roberta to start with this one, and she's, she'll know she'll know why. She'll know why after I ask the question? So what do you guys think about uh, black and white comics that later add color? Well, from from experience, <laughs> sometimes those zip tones are a problem. <laughs> um. There is there is an acknowledgement that it was meant to be black and white. Yeah. So there does have to be, you know, a, a little bit of a different um, reduction of um, the normal coloring. I think I would do with the, you know, because it was deliberately made. I have to keep it a little bit more close, you know, and try to reduce my tendency to put, you know, a texture here and there. Mm. So I have to be careful with it because it can change the focus really quick because it wasn't the intention of just giving me a a hint so that I can do more on it. So I think um, it looks great. It, It just takes a different approach to, to being a little bit more minimal I think with it, with the textures and with the contrast. Wouldn't it also matter if the, the, the black and white book had a lot of, uh, you know, like zip tone patterns here and there that were, were doing shadows and this, that, and the other. Cause then at that point you're almost, you're like being a coloring book, right? You're just kind of saying, well, you got to already zip a tone across the face. I'm just going to put, you know, flesh tone there. Cause it's already got, you know, a shadow on it. Well, that's what has to happen. Yeah. You yeah. can't put a gradation in the middle of a zip tone. <laughs> yeah. I tried yeah. once and it doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> I'd point out if, if you, a really good example of, of navigating that was you don't hear enough about him nowadays, but Steve Olaf's, uh, Steve Olaf and Ollie Optics, mm. who were like some of the pioneers of computer coloring back in the day. Yeah. That's, well, that's the name I was thinking of last, last week and I couldn't think of the name. There you go. Yeah. We yeah, Curtis, yeah, he was great. And his his version of um, Akira, when it got localized to the U.S., and he was able to navigate all the Zipatone and that kind of really rendered architecture was was phenomenal. Um, yeah, they, they use their own software, right? Didn't he yeah. develop his own coloring software? Yeah. Yeah, he did. So I think I think they ended up switching to Photoshop at some point, but I think he used he he developed he something before Photoshop. Yeah, I'm not. I, know I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. some something 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 like it. It's kind of tragic that that's never been collected because that was such a unique yeah. take on on the medium, you know, yeah. on applying color. Definitely to black Definitely. and it's white. Only in black and white now, it's not it's not available in that that color version. Mm-hmm. I guess the rights or whatever. Steve Olaf pulled it off really well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that that right there said history. Just that that approach. And- Wubba's in the house. Oh yeah, Wubba. Wubba said hi, y'all. What's up, y'all? Yes. 
Uh, let's see. Here we go. Uh, okay. So Fred Corto says, I find black and white boring. Color brings oh, oh. comic books. Uh, <laughs> but you know, that's, that's you know, so, so here's a thank you, Fred. So Fred's one of our backers, you guys. So here's the thing though. And, and uh, I know Tommy uh, has experienced this because he and I both did black and white comics, you know, together back in the day, uh, a bunch. And that's not an unusual comment, you know. I, again, hey, really? Yeah, sitting at the, I mean, again, the table. I, I love black and white because I, oh. I love to see, you know, I love to, I, I love to study the lines. But um, I think from readers' perspectives, they look at it and think, oh, it's not finished yet, you know. Mm. And, and yeah. where are the colors? Um, you know, we think of Superman. We think of, uh, you know, red and blue popping off the page. Um, we, we think of Spider-Man we think of, gee, red and blue popping off the page, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, setting up at shows, you know, throughout the, you know, nineties and, you know, and, and you had your black and white book there and then you had a couple of color books. The color books tend to always sell because those, those certain folks just want the color. Yeah. Color yeah. Book, yeah. There, there was something about, um, black and white. Uh, more to i guess to the to sort of the casual reader that just didn't feel like it was up to the snuff of uh, uh production wise or professionalism or something yeah, like I, that. I, I never understood that because we I always mean, the black and white stuff we always ended up putting you know uh, minus the color you know the penciler and the inker always put in a little a little more effort to just render out all those uh at least I did anyway. Yeah. So try to try to get some more because you needed to try to try to you know jam on it a little more, make it a little more you know. Well, you had to compensate because you knew there was going to be no color. Yeah. 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 It's kind of the Wizard of Oz effect, right? Like people associate <laughs> escapism with color. So, but you could. Uh, I think of um, an artist like David Mack. Right. He got his start doing black kabuki and black and white. And yet now, mm-hmm. you know, you can't even imagine him doing black and white. He's so much about using color and mm-hmm. he uses his color like sound effects. You know, it's like not just to show, you know, the color of someone's jacket. Right. It's not just Jessica Jones jacket. It's purple. It's the whole effect he's going for. You know, when when we started uh, Kablam uh, digital printing, you know, what was it? 10, 15 years ago, however long it's been, you know, it was primarily black and white. But, you know we made it so it was easy for people to do color. And now it's, you know, a good 80% of it is color. It's probably, you know, 80% of it was black and white at the time. And now we, and now if a black and white book comes through, it's like, Oh, look, here's a black and white book. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah. So Tom's, now would you say now is more of an oddity than, than a, a common. Yeah. It's, I mean, no, there's still bunches of it, but it's yeah, mostly, mostly everything is color. Do you think that has to do with like the accessibility of digital printing? And the fact that, you know, we, you know, companies like us make it so you can just print one if you wanted. So you're not having to print uh, a thousand copies of a color book that you're only going to, you know, maybe, you know, in a, in a, in a good year, sell 50, you know, that kind of thing. So you can only, you know, if you just needed 25, so it's a whole lot cheaper to, to, to put the effort and, you know, you, basically, you, you, you have X amount of money that you're putting towards your comic, right? So you can now you can kind of go, well, now I don't have to have as much money for printing. I can put that towards a colorist and then, you know, and shift everything around a little bit. Maybe that's uh, or it could be like what Roland said a while ago is, you know, people, you know, you're sitting at your table and somebody walks by and you got a color book and a black and white book and they're going, oh, I'll take the color book. 
Yeah. 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 I'd say one of the, the first black and whites that, that I actually liked that I actually thought was a good black and white was the original run of cat and mouse. I would, I would go. Yeah. I, I would, I was, I would go visit my dad in Hawaii in this really great comic book shop called jellies and he would be working. So he would give me like 20 bucks and I could go ahead. I could go play street fighter at the arcade and I could go to jellies and buy some comic books. And I would buy, of course I would buy like X-Men, but then the other book would be cat and mouse. And it was just such a solid book. And I think it offered something that none of the mainstream books really had, you know? And so that, and then it was just fortuitous because like two or three years later, I, I, I met Roland and I was, I was working under him. So it's pretty amazing how things work out. But Cat and Mouse is a, is a great example of, of good black and white. The original one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you got the job. So- you got the job, Curtis. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Yeah. Thanks. So, uh, so I mean, right. let, let's let's uh, shift and talk about that for a second. I mean, and a lot of that had to do, and it was already uh, one of you. I'm sorry, somebody already touched on it a little bit, but um, a, a lot of it was was financial. Yeah. Um, and, and and that may be why you know fans kind of looked at it as as not quite uh, professional. I don't know, but you know when you're when you're making a comic book and you're not at Marvel or DC, you're trying to to fund it on your own. Um, you got to look at the money, you know, you got to look, I mean, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, their, their whole start was in, in black and white. Um, but it's because they couldn't afford to, to print in color. Um, because. I mean, yeah. They are, our, our, our print per copy is because it's digital is, is probably more than what it would be if you could go traditional and print, you know, per copy of a, like the, 3,000 books, right? Right. But because you don't have to print 3,000 books, you don't have to have the capital for that amount of, you know, so it's easier to afford to get somebody to, to do the colors and then, you know, only print what you need. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and yeah so, and so what a lot of people don't realize is that, yeah, you can print 3,000 copies at a, a, a cheaper price per unit. Yeah. But, you got to come up with the money to print 3000 copies. And that's a lot of money. And on an independent book, you know, you're getting, I mean, it'd be great if we could all hit 3000 books right off the bat, but you know, you got to build up to it. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so you could do, you know, I I don't, I haven't done the math. Uh, Those who know me know that uh, math and I don't get along really well, but, uh, (laughs) but, you know, I would almost be willing to bet that, it, you know, you could do and we're talking about, you know, pre digital printing um, the to do a color book opposed to a black and white book. I would say probably two thirds again, your cost. Um, I mean, more more than half again, two thirds again, um, whatever the total cost is, one third of that you could print your, your black and white comic in, if not less than that. Yeah, and so um, you know, you were you you when you were looking at it, you're like, hey, well, and of course, back then you had to get all the plates, you had to get, you know, and of course, you're black and white, it was just one plate, and that's that's right there, right off the bat, that's four hundred dollars compared to a hundred dollars, you know. And then with minimum runs, you know, three thousand, five thousand copies, that kind of thing, and you and you knew you only needed several hundred and you were going to sit on these books. Yeah. yeah. It just wasn't worth it at the time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, Aaron Humphrey said, I have heard that colored comics generally sell better than black and white books. Do you all feel that way as well? Uh, I, I'd say that for the most part, th- that's true. Yeah. Uh, it's true. I, uh, I mean, based on what we print, we like I said, we print way more color books than, well, than black there, and white. There are exceptions, of course. I oh, mean, obviously. Yeah. The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that book well, is you, crazy, yeah. right? The wa- well, but here you go. You look in the top, and I haven't uh, I haven't looked in a while. But if you examine the the, the top uh, via Diamond, right, the top hundred uh, comic books sold, as far as I know, The Walking Dead was the only one in, in there, and it was in the top fifteen for you know a good bit of its run. Uh, but everything else around it was all in color. So um, I don't I don't know I'll see that, if I can find the list. I don't know that uh, Aaron's asked, do we feel that way? Um, I don't know that that's a feeling so much as a, as a fact. Um, I just think that, that, you know, with there, again, there are always exceptions. And I think the walking dead was one. I think Cerebus in his day was probably one bone was a, a black and white comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Patrick mentioned bone earlier, but bone was a black and white comic uh, in, in its day. And I, I loved bone as a black and white book. And remarkable that it was aimed so, you know, it was such an all ages kind of book at a time when that wasn't really a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, you could you, you and I can read it, but you could also hand it to, uh, you know, your your eight year old uh, niece or nephew and um, not have to worry about it. You know. Well, I think the other thing to take into is it's not you know, business wise, it's not really necessarily how much it's it sold. It's how much profit, right? So mm-hmm. if you're able to have, you know, recoup more of your cost by doing black and white versus not in color, that's, that's definitely something to consider as well. So you never know. Yeah. Well, this, I, I like this, this, uh, this coming here. Hey, Eric, what's up? Um, Eric says the older I get, the more I seem to almost prefer black and white books versus color as a kid color all the way. Um, what do you guys think? You think age has anything to do with, um, f- for you guys? I'd say, I mean, yeah. like I, I kind of faced this, uh, particularly with Tiger's Tail when it was appearing in the Kung Fu magazine, it was mostly black and white. I mean, the magazine at the time was mostly black and white and we had to pick and choose when we, how many color pages we could fit in there. And by the time it shifted where the magazine could be fully color, I had already, you know, removed Tiger's Tail from that equation. But now bringing it back to, you know, wanting to get it to modern readers today, you know, it seems like even though I originally wanted it as a black and white comic, you know, if I want kids to really read it, right, it's going to need to be in color. So it's up to me to find a method to communicate the color in it. Since I'm doing the color myself, I have to create a new palette or a new... uh Use color like part of the story. Definitely. And, and, and just for, for those watching that, because, you know, only some people are in both spheres of <laughs> Kung Fu and comic books. Um, Kung Fu Tai Chi is a, was a really prolific magazine. And, and I think the comic, your comic book was, we're talking like the early 90s, right? Was when the comic book actually was in the back of it. So and, and yeah. you were there for like, what, over 20 years? Or I'm trying to think, how, how long? The magazine what lasted 25 years before it ended right in 2020 so the comic was there up until the year 2000 the invention of the internet kind of killed that print quality but uh 
But yeah, so in the back pages, right? I had one black and white page. Occasionally, as we were shuffling uh, color and black and white pages, I could squeeze a, a color page in for the comic. But it just became, it was a black and white concept, you know? It was yeah, something yeah. that, that kind of worked. It was that same way that, you know, what I was striving for with Bone, et cetera, or Cerebrus, right? Trying to create a black and white world. It was all about yin and yang. But, <laughs> but kids these days, they need the color. You know? <laughs> Pete, you were about to say? I yeah, I was. Yeah, what was I going to say? Kids <laughs> can't appreciate the... They can't really appreciate that, all the stuff that goes into drawing and making a comic book. So <laughs> they get distracted by the color, which, you know, it's fine. But as you get yeah. older, I think you can appreciate a bit more. Uh, you'd hope. Yeah. Um, so then you yeah. might take a bit more. Like, like with anything, as you, you mature, you start to understand things a bit better and can appreciate all the effort and how what's gone into making it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would you would you say it would be similar to 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 uh, watching Bugs Bunny as an adult now? Did did you watch Bugs Bunny as a kid? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it it has new meaning to you, doesn't it? Um, I don't know. Oh, it's still, it's still Bugs Bunny, just with a carrot. I don't know. Yeah, it's still funny. I don't know if I. I don't know. I don't. Know. I yeah. have to watch Bugs Bunny. Yeah, yeah. I, I I know that I will watch Bugs Bunny sometime and go. Wait, did they just tell? That's like an adult joke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Pepe Le Pew has a different uh, point of reference, that's for sure. So <laughs> I, I hate that Pepe was canceled. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. that's a, I, I love Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> um, let's see here. Um, let's see. Go back to some of these comments here. Uh, Aaron said, uh, "I actually per, uh, prefer black and white more myself, especially really done black and white books." Um, and then Eric kind of followed that up with, uh, but that also depends on the art. When he was talking about, uh, he preferred black and white books. Uh, some art does better in black and white. And I, I think, you know, that's kind of what we're all kind of saying here is that that um, it, it does depend on the art. That I think that that I see some black and white art today and, and I look at it and go, oh, this was drawn for color. Mm-hmm. You, you know it's wide open and everything there's 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 almost nothing there sometimes it almost looks like if you know if it's not inked well enough it almost looks like a coloring book that, you know that's that's no stab at coloring books you know <laughs> but kind of is i guess i think one of the things you know with the two my two favorite books in black and white were you know turtles and of course cat and mouse that the style of both those books really fit well like eastman and laird they had a really gritty, textured, rough, jagged kind of look. And Mitch Bird's work on um, Cat and Mouse, the thing that I always found so fascinating is he, when you look at his art, he had volumes. Like you could, you could actually understand the shape and the volume of, of the masses of everything, the muscles and all that. And it fit really well. It, it, really, does, uh, mm-hmm. it really does depend, you know, on the book and the artist, definitely. Yeah. Well, I think uh, Mitch was, you know, and uh, I can't, you know, I'm not going to speak for him or anything, but I think when, when Mitch was uh, penciling the cat and mouse, at least when I started inking it, you know, he was, uh, you know, penciling it to, to be a black and white book. Yes. So he would go through and, you know, do that typical cross-hatching background stuff that you, you don't really do that kinds of stuff when it's a color book because, you know, that the color is going to, uh, you know, 
make the the the, the you know the the walls shadow come into the you know and all that kind of stuff. It's it's just not necessary in a in a color book to do all that yeah. cross matching line work and and, and stuff. But Mitch uh, was, yeah, I think Mitch was real good it, at that. Oh yeah, no no, Mitch yeah. was great. I think that's where I, I ended up picking up all my little tricks and stuff from from uh, Ink and Mitch. Yeah. Um, I met, I met a, uh, I met a big Mitch, uh, fan today at, um, um, at Olo. Um, he was walking by and he spotted cat and mouse. He goes, Oh, I, I, I love the Mitch bird stuff. And so we just started talking and he was a, he was a huge Mitch bird fan. And I'm like, very cool. Good stuff. Yeah. I'll see Mitch this weekend. That's right. Yep. Yep. At where will you yep. see Mitch, Tommy? At Pensacon, assuming <laughs> that everything is still going on, which it uh, looks like it is. It looks like the world's opening up a little more every day for whatever reason. It's Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's everywhere. You heard what Universal is doing? We can talk about this later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Pensacon, you'll be there. Uh, Barry will be there, right? Yeah, Jennifer, uh, uh, Stephen, Stephen Butler Stephen's will be good, there, yeah. plus a bunch, a bunch of other folks. Some of the other folks that did some um, um, Silverline stuff. Uh, oh, John Dale didn't do any Silverline stuff, did he? Uh, John Dale inked a little bit of the last issue of Cat and Mouse. Did he? Yep. Yeah. And then no, uh, Roland Paris, what did oh, he do yeah. for Cat and Mouse? Yep, he's going to so, be there. So Roland inked a little bit of the first issue of uh, Silverstorm. And um, uh, Roland was actually one of the, f- I got a, I think it was in one of the books somewhere. Uh, Roland actually was one of the first uh, guys that was, that did a, a, a sketch of demon who wasn't me. <laughs> oh, <cool>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, Derek's going to be there. Uh, Derek, Derek never did anything. No, for he it. never did his Silverline stuff. No. Nah, uh, but yeah, all those guys. Yeah, Brian, yeah. Brian the Block's going to be there. He never did any Silverline stuff, but no. you know who Brian is, yeah. I believe. Uh, yeah, um, bunch yeah. of other so bunch come of out, come out and see, uh, come out and see Tommy, uh, Tommy and Barry and uh, yep. the gang. Uh, Stephanie says, "But why do kids tolerate black and white in comic strips?" Hmm. You know, maybe because they think it's supposed to be black and white. You know, is that the? Because I was going to say that a while ago. We were. T- I think she had Stephanie's a guy or a girl. I'm not sure. I wasn't paying attention. Can, Stephanie, can I give a, you a technical yeah. reason? Yes. Uh, because of the dot screen, it's just very large. So when there is small detail, it starts looking like chunky dots when there's color in it. Yeah. Mm. So <laughs> I always thought it looked cleaner. <laughs> Tommy. Is, is it a question of access? You know, I remember being a kid and just loving the newspaper for that one or two pages of comics. I didn't care about the rest of the newspaper. <laughs> yeah, I didn't care. So, yeah. you know, regardless of it being black and white, it was comics, you know, for free that I could I could grab. But then, you know, Sunday it was in color. And then, yeah, and the you know, if I was going to spend my money on a comic, I wanted it in color, you know, until I was a little more sophisticated in my tastes. Well, I think all those strips, you know, for the most part were black and white. So I think we just grew up with them being well, mostly black and white. They were, they were black and white Monday through Saturday. And exactly. on Sunday, they were yeah, in color. No, 
Yep. Then when you get the compilation, right, the publisher, it's much easier for the publisher to just print them all black and white. Yeah. Than to try and color them all. What publisher would want to do that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Stephanie says, uh, sorry, I got to put it up there. I'm going to read it without, but Stephanie says, <laughs> I'm going to ask my kids. <laughs> that's it. That's important market research. We need to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, the, yeah, ask if, uh, so I guess her kids, they, she doesn't, they don't mind reading. Well, it's like a, you know, uh, simple Saturday morning cartoons, you know, they're so, uh, could they, you know, could they, well, you wouldn't want a TV show being in black and white, I guess. But, but, but those, there were TV shows in black and white. That's <laughs> true. Uh, that simpler line art, you know, that makes it a whole lot easier. It's more cartoony. It's, you know, it's more color, color booky looking, mm-hmm. you know, so I mean, it's just easier to, to look at, I guess. It, uh, just in your mind's eye, as if it's a less rendered book, it can be black and white, right? No? I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> didn't somebody, nope. share, didn't somebody yeah. share one of our messages, something about there was like, I forget which artist, but somebody was saying like books with purple on the cover sell more, and there was like very specific things on what there was like that usually used to sell better. It was it was interesting. I just remember that that one part stood out. Was it was it purple or green? It was one some color, but they it was said, yeah. probably purple. Yeah. Purple tends to make you feel like there's some kind of supernatural event. Yeah. Until so you think of that. Plus, yeah. it makes you feel important. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. The royalty aspect. Yes, exactly. I mean, there's whole books, right? There's whole books written about color theory and. You know how why McDonald's mm-hmm. roofs are red. You know, so there's a whole other layer of like how color is used. So I mean, that's always available in comics too, right? Why yeah. there's a reason it's why all, the it's all an emotional attachment to color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems to be some kind of reality. And and culturally too, it's like you know, um, like when I was one from my martial arts school, when I was branding it, I chose purple as the color. But that's because I wanted to use red, but because red is like for Chinese is like very positive, you know, but for, you know, U.S. it's not always considered as positive or it's more aggressive, you know, and blue is considered really positive for a Western kind of background. But but Asian, not so much Sometimes blue is associated like white with death. So purple was the the perfect mixture of the two, you know, so it's it's interesting how different colors, different things fit different cultures. And, And purple's cool. Yeah. It, it is. Ask Prince. He knows. <laughs> he knew. knew. I mean, he knew. There you go. You could see it in like the not like you know the the number of bank logos that generally have blue, you know, yeah. versus the number of food logos that have red and maybe yellow. True. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. 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 If you, well, you want to swap out the art, I'm willing yes, to please. share. <laughs> yeah, Thanks. Roberta, you want to jump up there? Yeah, sure. Excellent. So, um, so actually what you guys were uh, saying, uh, brings us to this next, uh, question here. Eric says, do you think people respond better to the bright primary colors of the eighties or to the huge variety of color in comics now is more better or worse? Hmm. Oh, I can answer that. <laughs> <laughs> we got used to too much color in, in the nineties for sure. <laughs> but there was a backlash to that eventually yeah i think so i think you can go crazy that's for sure yeah 
think well, it, I, eventually it's like you you want to figure out a reason for the color and if it's just a rainbow on every page you just don't know what to do and I get overwhelmed. We, we went from like image rainbows to like vertigo brown <laughs> Well, you know, uh, we talked a little bit uh, right. last week. This is this has got to be talked about because this page. Oh. I mean, whap it out! Look at that. Wapa! Wapa! This is so good. I love the cool and the warms that you did in that middle section. The the warm coming from the doorway and the the cool coming from the darkness. So this, this touch. I I could go anywhere with this. Thank you, Curtis. I just was like, hmm. <laughs> Where am I gonna where am I gonna bring these guys out? Because I want them in the dark, but I also don't want it to be missing. Needs more yeah. purple. Needs yeah. <laughs> Doesn't have enough purple. I went too green. That looks great. But um they are chasing a cat. So this is a cat and mouse uh issue four that I'm I'm trying to get a good feel for like where I'm going to, where I'm going to start with her. This is mm. Widowmaker. And she's got, <laughs> she's got to dance a little more than what I did. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm oh. going to have to put some, something special behind her. And uh, this, this is an area. Uh, this is a comment uh, just for uh, Roberta. It says yeah. colors done right. Yeah. Aww, <laughs> There's a lot going on here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to take a lot of thought on color here because this is this is working a little, but I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of getting in my spot where I don't want it to be like all the same tone, you mm. know. So I started bringing in this yellow. Yeah. And now I've done it because now I'm going to have to put a little more. <laughs> 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 Once you do that, and then I've got to get going. Hmm. So that that's where I'm at right now. Is like, well, I, I tried this yellow and I like it. So now yeah, I've got to good. bring yeah. it through. And your your complementary colors are solid. You got the right the right there in the middle is that complementary of blue and orange. You know. Yeah. Great, great choice. Really pops. It's such a great example of like using color to to like tell the story in a different way to like add another layer to the overall storytelling. Totally. And this is so good that it doesn't, you know, you really like if you can see in here how much texture is in here. Yeah. I don't want to take away from that. Yeah. You know, so I just gotta really hint at that at the light. Totally. I put too much of a blend and it's gonna over it's going to darken it too much so well, that's kind of a yeah. sense of maturity as an artist right is, is that ability to have restraint where it's needed right in the beginning it's like what can i do right you want to do everything color it all so you know I, th I think that that ties into kind of eric's question about the the primary colors uh i, I know that um so you know when, when i look at these like i said i picked up this not brand x today you know I, I look at these and and there's these these colors you know roberta would you would you say i'm fair in calling these flat colors it's all flat right mm -hmm. can you see see it yeah. Uh, well, you're not very big, so let me see uh -oh. if I can get your, I don't really your bit a little bigger. Big. Here, how's that? Oh yeah. 
Okay, wait, yeah. it's got to draw in a bit. Sorry, hold it still. Yeah, yeah mostly flat. Yeah. So, um, but there's also an awful lot of text. And I think that yes. you forgive it because if you spend so much time rendering beautiful artwork and there's so much to read on the page, then the time spent on the art with the eyeballs is gone. Right. So yes. that's my opinion for something like that. It's okay. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I think too, uh, you were talking about the nineties. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I like the, the, I, I like the, I kind of like that midway, if we're looking back that far, I kind of look that like that point between the flat color of uh, the 80s and then the over-saturated colors of, of the, you know, middle 90s. Um, mm -hmm. When you look at, so, like, I see a lot of that stuff in the in the, the cheap boxes, you know, a lot of that uh, 90s glut stuff. And it, you flip through it and it just all looks so dead gum muddy, you know? It's just like, what's wrong with superman's blue why do you got to make it blue mud i think it was an evolving <laughs> art you know <laughs> have you guys ever seen that movie uh walk hard the dewey cox story where it's it's basically like a a parody of johnny cash no and, and there's Sounds a part good. where he, he gets really you know stoned and stuff and he, he basically it's that point where an artist doesn't have any restraint where all he has around him is yes people uh -oh. And he's he's playing he's making his magnum opus song that he's been working on for like six months and he has he has cymbals gongs you know flutes a whole orchestra electric guitar and then he starts screaming for more people to come out with didgeridoos and they're all playing it's just this complete mess you know and it's, it's that that perfect example of like no restraint you know when, when you can do anything and you just <laughs> funny. Yeah, it's, it's a great what's it called again I want to look it up Dewey Cox uh, mm -hmm. walk hard walk hard walk hard walk hard. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. pretty funny. Pretty funny. That's funny. Yeah, that is funny. Yeah. Uh, anybody else have thoughts about uh, primary colors, uh, the '80s versus the colors now? Well, what do you think? well, I mean, was some of it has to do with printing too? I mean, wasn't that also like certain colors would read better on yes. with that level of newsprint printing? You know, and 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 the other thing I was just going to remark in general, we we're talking about rendering and stuff, and I'm I'm kind of seeing this more and more with with, with my book is just so much of it is where do you want the eye to track? You know, right. if, it's, if you want them to linger, you know, on a big splash page, that's a great place to put tons of render and detail and modeling, you know, but if it's a quick action sequence and the eye is supposed to travel across quicker, you may want to have it a little bit more flat or make it more subdued, you know, yeah. um, not every panel is, is, is created alike. And when you work digitally, that that's really important to remember because it's really easy to zoom in. And get caught in the details, and then when you zoom out, like, oh wow, this panel's only going to be like this big when somebody yeah. reads it, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. so, so, so much hard to keep perspective when you have this big screen, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like, why am I rendering? You know, this guy's shoelace, you know, <laughs> like, <an old> <laughs> not necessary. Back off, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you put a dot, you know, then that's fine. Yeah. yeah. What I do notice is you can you can say a lot with a very small little hint. You know, so it doesn't have to be a rendering, but just like a dot of, you know, a shine or something. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and your brain fills out all the rest of that, you know, Point. so you don't really need it. Yeah. Well, you know, I think we talked about, uh, again, we talked a little bit about it last week uh, when we are talking about uh, color choices and things like that. And, you know, one of the things that, that uh, 
one of the things that I love, one of the many things I love about what Roberta does is that, you know, and, and, and you know, I know Pete's talked about this kind of thing too, is that, you know, these are comic books. The, the wall doesn't have to be a, a beige color like most people's walls are, mm-hmm. right? If you, to, to convey a mood or a tone, you can make the background red. You yeah. say, yeah, but the wall behind them is not red. Well, it doesn't really matter. It's okay because it conveys, uh, it, it conveys mood, it conveys tone. Uh, what Roberta is trying to do with her color is to enhance any kind of uh, emotions that's already there. And sometimes it means the wall is going to be purple. <laughs> Yeah. And I like right. the purple wall. I will defend the purple wall. <laughs> Are you guys familiar with uh, Max Landis? He's a director. Um, he's the son of John Landis, the director that did like American Werewolf in London and, you know, Trading Places. And, and he was talking about how him and his dad had a conversation about vampires in movies. And mm-hmm. so he asked, yeah, I guess he asked his dad, well, the dad asked him, teaching him screenwriting. He said, how many ways, you know, how many ways can you kill a vampire? And so the son goes, you know, you, you know, stake through the heart, you know, holy water, sunlight. And the dad goes, no, he goes, you can kill them any way you want because they don't freaking exist. <laughs> Good point. I love that. Isn't that funny? Like, oh, yeah, I got to get out of that, out of your, out of your headspace. <laughs> yeah, go exist. wild. Uh, that's That's a really good point (laughs) i'd I'd be curious to ask all of you as creators because we talked about it kind of all of us approaching it as the reader as the fan as a creator do you have a preference or like even for those of you that were doing black and white books you know which there's quite a few in in this in this segment um was it just were you happy working on a black and white book or were the whole time you're just saying oh gosh i just wish i could do this darn thing in color and i'm settling for black and white as creators where does everybody fit on that spectrum or, or i'm just curious what your guys take on it is well, that's a good one thank you i practiced that for a while <laughs> <laughs> he's got it written down on the list exactly <laughs> Uh, like uh, uh, my own creator books back in the day, or are you talking about just working for other people's stuff? When it was other people's stuff, I it didn't it didn't uh, matter to me. But when I was doing my own uh, Zomboy and all that kind of stuff back in the day, which was black, where there were black and white books, mm-hmm. um, I, I I wish that they were in color, but I knew that they you know I couldn't afford that, so uh, so you know I put. You can ask Roland. Those books are filled with Zipatone here and there, and got better. And I, I was using Photoshop to do digital zips on everything, and uh, so I, I could afford. You, you looked at those books and you go, "Man, Thomas, you spent thousand dollars worth of Zipatone." Like, no, 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 it was all in Photoshop. I Photoshop zipped that whole book, all those, those books. Yep. 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 Even the, even the cross, you know, zip that was crossed over the top where it looked like it was a, you know hand laid zipatone where you were trying to do crazy patterns and stuff. I still did it all in Photoshop. This is but, sponsored by Zipatone. Yeah, the Zipatone. Yeah. <laughs> but um oh, no, I, I, I wish I wish I could have afforded it in in, in but for uh, anything else it was you know it was whatever whatever uh freelance work, whatever they wanted me to do. I yeah, so that's cool. I, 
I recently gave Tommy a um, a huge stack. Yes. Of, of Zipatone. I found this this uh, in my in my collection of stuff in my garage. I was going through it. I'm like, what's this big box here? You know, it's a big it's a big flat box, but it was big. I'm like, what is this box? I opened it like a holy crap! Look at all the Zipatone I have here. Yeah. So, uh, so I asked Tommy, I said, hey, man, I, I know that most of what you do doesn't use Zipatone anymore, and it's all on computer, but do you think you could use this? He's like, yeah, man, okay. Yeah, yeah that's uh, very cool to have. Uh, don't know what I don't even know what to do. It's very cool to have. Well, I'll ask you a question, Curtis. For me, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I wanted it in color. Yeah. Um, because I think there was still some of that stigma of uh, black and white comics not being quite up to stuff. Um, and I looked around at the time you had uh, first comics, you had Kamiko, you had now you had a handful of independent comic companies that were doing stuff in color and, and, you know, it looked good and, you know, obviously some better than others, but I, when I envisioned cat and mouse, it was absolutely 100% in color. Um, and in fact, it was. Yeah, and it, it actually really <laughs> was. Uh, I don't know if I have a. I don't know if I have a, a copy right here. I might, but the very first. Uh, Curtis, do you do you have the very first cat mouse color? Yeah, yeah, it has that, that okay. great cover with the tar- the crosshairs on the. Uh, yeah. The yeah, great. Yeah, color. so. Um, so yeah, this uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, give me make me a large solo. Uh, so this okay. very first issue issue uh, the very first issue of Cat and Mouse was done in color, right? So um, when Malibu did it, uh, they obviously reprinted it in, in black and white. But as you can see, this was all this was in, in color, and so the, for me, I that's that's the way I envisioned it. Uh, whoops, this, that way. Um, but it was in black and white simply because of financial reasons. They're like, it costs too much to print that, and we're not sure, you know, we could sell these. And so we're like, okay, we would, uh, uh, we would rather have, you know, we'd rather have it done than not done. So definitely. What what about for you, Patrick, with with the original iteration of, of Tiger's Tail, and you know. You know, I mean, when I worked, when I worked in other indie comics in black and white, I, color was aspirational. I mean, when I worked with Tiger's Tail, I kind of pretty quickly figured out that I wanted to keep it black and white, and then I would use color. I would use color, like when I would have a chance to use a color page, I'd kind of craft the story around it. You know, oh my God, there's a dragon! I'll make the dragon in color. That sort of thing. Um, but now, now that now that color is an option, I feel like, you know, for what I want to do now, it makes the most sense to do it in color, and then to like, you know, I'm um, I'm learning new techniques constantly, so I wanna, I wanna share that. So I, I want to do I want to work in the color that way. But I think in terms of like what I'm trying, you know, who I'm trying to reach with my project, I think you know, color will just get it, you know we'll get it a little further, right? You have to kind of have a specific taste to want to just read a black and white comic. Mm. <clears throat> Even though there are so many good ones out there, so many great examples, we've mentioned a bunch, but it's still like, it's an acquired taste, you know, like 
Whereas color is more like candy, right? Everyone can enjoy something colorful. But then if someone can actually use color in a way that conveys the story, that shows sophistication, that's like the next level of it, you know? And nobody's going to say, oh, my God, this book's in color. I don't want it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so true. Pete, what what do you uh do you, do you see the same kind of things in in uh in uh in england uh, as far as kind of the attitudes with fans about black and white and color um yeah i mean our our market is still very an american market comic mm-hmm. book wise um you go into a comic book store it's dominated by american comics so it's all color um yeah and when when i'm drawing I, I draw for it to be seen in black and white. So if it works mm. in black and white, it's going to work in color. Yeah. Um, I don't do that where I just leave everything as like a coloring book and then just say, well, it's not my problem anymore. Off it goes. The colorist has no idea. If, you, if you've got a specific light source in mind, you've got to put it in there. Otherwise, how's, a, how's Roberto going to know what I mean? Right. So you've got to draw it. I think you should draw it. For it to be seen in black and white, if it works in black and white, it's going to work in color. If it doesn't yeah. work in black and white, then you need to work on it so the colorist knows what to do. You yeah. I like working with them right, for but... some reason. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, but you know what I'm always doing is turning the color off, saying, "Did I, did I ruin it?" <laughs> you know. <laughs> you didn't so you know, it yeah, really yeah, helps that perspective. I like the way you have the little thumbnail image up in the top right of your uh, of your workspace. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because I, I I'm going to go. Well, I want this, and I want to put it here. You know, so it's it's a quick move. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's how I can move around quicker because I cool. really hate putting my hands on the keyboard more than I have to. Shortcuts I, issues. Yeah, I'm all about shortcuts. <laughs> So that's where it goes. Yeah, that's pretty cool. When I was uh, learning from Carmine Infantino at School of Visual Arts, he would make us watch Alfred Hitchcock movies and fast forward on like a VHS. And these would be black, the, all, only the black and white Hitchcock movies because he wanted us to focus on the composition just in terms of lights and darks. So he would play it and fast forward so you could kind of just track the story based on how you know the screen was was composed what the blacks were and what the whites were and he would just always emphasize if you could get that composition done and you could tell your story that way then color doesn't matter you know you can add color or not but the important thing is to have you know is to be able to you know have a light source and to have you know the image balanced out so that you can move the eye just based on what's light and what's dark yeah it's kind of like Taking it to the, the martial arts kind of stuff, like Bruce Lee's student, one of his students, Dan Inosanto, used to say, he, he would say, don't use speed to make up for your poor technique. You know, your speed embellishes your technique, but you have good technique, right? And it's kind of like with coloring and all that. It's like use the pencils, the inks, and then the coloring accentuates it, but don't use it as a crutch to make up for inadequacies that should be done in that earlier step. Right? And not to mention, can I can I say something about that? Because Curtis is bringing up an excellent point that, you know, if, if you're accentuating in each step, you know, the inker is accentuating the penciler's vision and the colorist should accentuate. But if you have a poor, poor drawing, 
or a poor 3D space, you're making that 3D space more real. Mm. And it just makes it way worse, unless you're a jerk of a colorist and go, well, I'm just going to change that and see if they don't notice. But no, it, it, honestly, it it's all part of it. You it's have like to have that on. You're putting the spotlight on, on the one actor on the stage that's doing a bad job, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Gee, it's funny, Curtis. I think I just saw on Cobra Kai the other day that they said speed can make up for technique. <laughs> uh, uh, Did they really? Have you seen how good Ralph Macchio's martial arts has been since oh, yes. till now? You'll, you'll know that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think it wasn't those those exact words, but that was kind of the concept. Is this 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 uh, new kid uh, was really super fast, and and so they're like, use that for you, you know, <laughs> use that. You know, like, uh, just because you can't do karate, you can go do this. And I'm like, okay, good luck to you. Right. <laughs> when that, that's why that's why parents tell their kids when they're driving, when they're learning to drive, just speed up. It'll it'll all figure itself out. It'll all work out. <laughs> <laughs> just drive faster. Drive faster. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eric's got a couple other questions here. He goes, are there any stories that you couldn't see any other way? For example, James O'Barr's original Crow can't work in color. And on the flip side, Buskin Perez's Avengers JLA has to, uh, has to be in color. What do you guys think? Hmm. I don't think that's true either. I think it no, I don't think it's true either. <laughs> I, I think that the, if it was it meant matter. to be one way or the other, they would have changed the way that the art works. So that's not, I don't think that's really a, a, a statement. I don't think that's an equal statement. You know what I mean? Just if you were to take the color out of a, you know, the, the Superman book, or if you were to add color to well, the Crow book, well, so they, they at- probably would have drawn the Crow book a little different if it was going to be in color. Well, let's so, look at what is it, Marvel Essentials, right? Which is um, just all the books in, in black and white, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, those do okay, right? Those look the, those look mm-hmm. all right. And they're all in black and white. I'd say it's a different book. It, it's not you. It's not that you can't do it, but it definitely tonally changes the book drastically. So yeah, you know, yeah. Well, and I think too there there are some things like you know uh, I'm a big fan of the blue blue furry. It, Anyone who's ever read Cat and Mouse and has demon in it knows that I'm a big fan of the, the blue furry beast in the Avengers. And um, in black and white, you don't get that, right? It's just a, it's just an outline of a furry dude, right? Um, the vision, you know, green and yellow, my vision is anyway. Um, black and white, it's just John Byrne's vision. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to stab there, but I did, didn't I? <laughs> I still remember reading the black and white books, even some of the cat and mouse ones, and I would fill in the color in my yeah. head. Yeah. And then when the cover would come up with the character, I go, "Oh, he's that color." Or, oh, he's <laughs> right. Color. Yeah. Like, yeah. I thought Demon was pink. Like, what happened here? <laughs> yeah. Well, in the case of some some instances, the colors were wrong, um, because on Demon Sales, Tommy remembers this. Um, I was so unhappy with Malibu because they got the character, the color of a champion wrong. And I sent them the information and it's like, no, why is he blue and white? No, he's not blue and white. So I I was, I was really unhappy with the, the, the colors for that, that cover. 
not 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 in that the color colorist colored them poorly because I think he did a fine job. And he just, just passed the information on to right. But, it's just like yeah. you know that's not what I told you guys. So um, and of course you know uh, our lovely folks at Malibu said yeah we're not recoloring it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that brings a great point, right? Because it comes back to the intent of the creator, right? Did they do they initially envision this as a you know, a full color extravaganza, or is this like a noir black and white, yeah. you know, high contrast thing? I think, you know, a story like, you know, JLA Avengers could not be, you know, a noir black and white thing just by virtue of the fact that it's the Justice League and the Avengers. So, yeah. you know, it's it's already a colorful comic book, but, you know. Well, the- that, that leads to Eric's next question because you because you just kind of you segued there. He says, "Does scale of conflict come into play for color versus black and white?" And you said, "Patrick, it's JLA versus the Avengers. It has to be in color, right?" Which would would lead you to think the scale of conflict. Yeah, I mean, what I yeah, I was thinking more along the lines of genre conf- conventions, but that's you know, it would be true both ways, right? Like. A Mickey Spillane comic, right, can be black and white, and it could, it could work perfectly well. But you know, Justice League, planets blowing up, you know, dimension hopping. It just seems like the it's the the expectation is is in the genre. So I think, yeah, you know. But I mean, I guess that's where you get into something like Batman, black and white, right? Where it's taking Batman and explicitly taking Batman and making it a black and white story comic format Definitely. yeah i'd say like with george perez's stuff in his phenomenal level of detail the coloring actually helped the eye track panel to panel because your eye can just get lost in all that amazing detail like i remember when he was working on ultra force we would get like the original pieces of him doing like the whole team and like my eyes would just go crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know where to look. Yeah, you, yeah, you couldn't see anything because it was just so much it stuff. Amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. But then when it's colored, your eye could kind of like, you know, pick things out and move on. And yeah, and, and that's not a knock. It just means it was it was a perfect combination of everybody on the team coming coming yeah. together. You know? Yeah, and that's why the the Silverland team up art team is perfect. Yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, well, guys, my clock says nine thirty-one. Anybody uh, yeah. have any uh, kind of final thoughts on uh, color versus black and white? Uh, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a colorist, and I like black and white. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't mind black yeah. and white books. So, so I think what we we kind of the consensus though is that um, we would we would not not buy a comic because it was in black and white or because it was in color, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, it should yeah. work in black and white. It should work in black and white. It should work in black and white, even if it's not, uh, even if it's going to be colored. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wish that uh, there were more consumers that way, um, but I get it. And I think that's one of the things that we kind of do have to understand as, as creators is that uh, the overwhelming majority of readers want the color. You know, they, yeah. they want to see it because, you know, for whatever reason, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of different things, a lot of different reasons out there, but they, they want the color. So 
Uh, and I love color. Uh, obviously, I, I think, uh, you know, again, I, I, I was uh, pushing Silverline team up today and I'm like, man, that is just a good looking book. Um, you, you know, uh, so uh, sold a couple copies today, too, by the way. Very good. Anyone well, it? So, uh, yeah, so was, was, was very happy um, with that. So, um, okay, so final thoughts, final thoughts. I think kind of Pete hit the nail on the head. I mean, I guess you could say all bo- all comic books are black and white. Some of them move on to being in color also, but every single book. Right. Is black and white. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. 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 So um, uh, somebody's uh, knocking at the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's Roberta's no, door. It's, to, it's my door. <laughs> somebody's cat wants to come in really bad. <laughs> Somebody's knocking at her door. Well, I think we could all agree, right? That, well, that quality go. comes through regardless of color or black and white. Mm-hmm. Yes. Definitely. Hey, I think so. I'm on my story. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to thank Patrick for right. uh, joining us tonight. Uh, Let Patrick, me thank uh, you guys. This was a blast. Yeah, no, it was cool. fun. Yeah, it's good All to right. have you. Uh, and you guys, whoops, let me, uh, let me pull it. You guys know oh, what, uh, that's right. Don't forget to like, hit, share, subscribe. Shout out to our uh, sponsor, Daytona Beach Comic Con. You will see them coming up here in just a second. And you guys remember what we do every... On our sign off, Tommy, where's where's Yoda? There we go. Number two. Ready? Make mine super line. All right. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Silverline Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We know we ramble sometimes, but we have fun. And after all, isn't that what comics are all about? We hope you'll follow us on all our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, LinkedIn, Reddit, MeWe, Gab, and whatever new thing pops up between now and the time you listen to us. Please like, follow, share, and remember, make mine Silverline.